A very special Friday, TGIF edition of the show. You are locked and loaded on to the hottest show on the streets, the best form, number one form of Crimson Tide football news, notes, information out there you are going to find. This right here is always in my own words with yours truly, Stephen M. Smith of Touchdown Alabama Magazine. As always, we appreciate every single one of you for joining in, tuning in, checking us out on today as we bring this to you from Tuscaloosa, streaming this to you via YouTube and going into just the special moment here of the special part of this day. Happy Juneteenth to everyone. And just a little background information on Juneteenth. It was 155 years ago on this day where, of course, two years prior, we had the 16th president of these United States of America, Abraham Lincoln, who issued and signed the Emancipation Proclamation. It was issued in 1862. It went into effect in 1863. Unfortunately, the state of Texas did not recognize it, did not honor it, did not enforce it consistently. So two years later, on June 19th of 1865, we had the Union Army General, Mr. Gordon Granger, who came to Galveston, Texas, and he announced federal orders giving the proclamation for all slaves in the state of Texas to be free. So this basically marked the freedom of slaves in the remaining part of the Confederacy. So happy Juneteenth to everybody this dating back 155 years ago on today. Also, a Special shout out to all the fathers out there. This is Father's Day weekend. So to all the dads, we appreciate you guys so much for the love, for the support that you give in the community, that you give to, to your families as you as you build the confidence of your sons, protect the smiles of your daughters, being faithful and true to your wives, just being the upstanding men in the community that you are. So a great Father's Day weekend to all the dads out there. Let's celebrate dad and do dad proud. But as always, if you, um, as always, we encourage you to hit that subscribe button on the YouTube channel and turn on all of the notifications so that you can have the best in news, notes, information, and content on your Crimson Tide. And seeing how we are a black-owned, independent business, if you would like to, you know, support us through giving a, do a donation, you can do that via the Super Chats, just hitting the dollar sign, providing the donation there. But as always, we encourage you, the best way to support TDA is to to uh, subscribe to the website, touchdownalabama.com, and also the YouTube channel, hitting that subscribe button and turning on those notifications. But we link up with the other man in the room, the better half of the show, my man, John Ivory. John, how you feeling, man? man I'm feeling great on today. Hey, you said it all, man. Hey, happy Juneteenth. Like the chat up and share the show, and we got a great show for you guys today. I was not trying to hog it all, John. <laughs> was not no, it's all good, man. I was not trying to hog it all there, but we want you being a part of the conversation, ladies and gentlemen, and you can do this by calling 205-448-1358. We want to hear from you, 205-448-1358, and one more time, 205-448-1358. Definitely want to hear your thoughts, your viewpoints. How are you feeling about the Crimson Tide? It's going to be awesome getting a chance to talk to one Justin Smith, the lead scouting and recruiting analyst for TDA, as he joins us later on in the show to talk more on the 2021 class. But brief update here. How about, you know, Alabama, Ohio State, it's going to happen. The Buckeyes will play the Crimson Tide in a home-and-home home series for 2027 and 2028, the home-and-home home series between Alabama and Ohio State. This is big. Of course, you out there, the Crimson Tide fan base, have been wanting to see more competitive games, more competitive matchups to open up the season or in the early part of the season for the Crimson Tide. The question will be, will Nick Saban be around 2027, 2028? I, I think he will. I mean, he's in the best of health right now and not knocking on wood that that best of health will continue so 2027 2028 set your calendars deep into the future Alabama playing the Ohio State Buckeyes should be a good one but we jump into now the first topic of conversation folks and it's on uh, the fuse has been lit ladies and gentlemen 
More lighter fluid has been poured onto or added to an already brewing fire that is the disrespect that's being shown to shown to you know, Alabama quarterback Mac Jones. And um, former Crimson Tide QB Greg McElroy, who was a part of the 2009 you know, national championship team, the first one under you know, head coach Nick Saban, he of course now works for the SEC Network, part of ESPN. He was on a local... Atlanta-based, you know, radio station, I think it was Extra, you know, 1600 or Extra 1300, it was a local-based radio station out of Atlanta, and he talked about how Jamie Newman, the transfer quarterback from Wake Forest that's now at Georgia, is way more talented than Mac Jones. He brought up the upside of Jamie Newman, how he's very athletic, big arm, big size, big capability, big playmaking ability, you know, you don't really see too many quarterbacks like Jamie Newman coming across college football, so you got to appreciate it when you have one like that, and he's like, well, you know, Mac Jones is good, Mac Jones is solid, but Mac Jones is going to have just a great, you know, supporting cast. Jamie Newman, way more talented than what Mac Jones is, and I got to thinking about you know, Greg McElroy's statement, here's a guy in Greg that, you know, once again played for Alabama, was a part of a national championship team. I mean, there were moments that Greg had at Alabama that were great moments. There were also moments that, you know, McElroy had that Alabama won in spite of him. But, you know, at the same time, looking at, I mean, just looking at Jamie Newman here for a minute here. I'm not saying the young man is not talented because he is. He's gifted. He's athletic. He's a dual threat. He can make big plays. He did something that hasn't been done in Wake Forest in quite some time that's made the Demon Deacons relevant. I mean, prior to Jamie Newman, when were we ever talking about Wake Forest? The last time it was with Riley Skinner at quarterback, and that was, what, 2005, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, Wake Forest hadn't been relevant in a long time and it's got you know Jamie Newman to thank for getting it back to relevancy but I'm gonna throw this out right here the Demon Deacons were eight and five this past season right four of its five losses Newman played a big role in that so for the five losses it lost to you know it lost to Syracuse it lost to Louisville it lost to Virginia Tech it lost to uh Michigan State and it lost to Clemson so you know four of those five losses Jamie Newman played a big role in and in those losses here Newman completed just 49.2 percent of his passes 49.2 percent if you're way more talented than Mac Jones then just off talent alone you can provide a 50 percent completion clip or at least over 50 percent but he's supposed to be way more talented than Mac and in those losses just 49.2 percent completion clip then you look at in those losses, he had more interceptions than touchdowns. Seven touchdowns to eight picks. Mac Jones, way better ratio than Jamie Newman had. But on top of that, Newman, who started in more games than Jones, played in more games than Jones, how about a QBR of 58.2 the entire season? QBR 58.2. And then he had a passer rating of 145.4 the entire season. Mac Jones, who only started in, well, started in four games, but three big ones, had a higher QBR and a higher passer rating than Jamie Newman. But then you have the ones that say, well, Steven, you're being too hard. You're being too judgmental. I mean, the only you know great defense Newman faced was, was Clemson, and not everybody's going to be Clemson. They got Brent Venables. They got Dabo Sweeney. They got all these big guns. They got all these big players. Not everybody is going to be Clemson. So throw that game out. Okay. We'll throw that game out. Uh, Virginia Tech no longer had Bud Foster. It's been long gone without Frank Beamer. Uh, Virginia Tech beat Wake Forest. Virginia Tech had a pretty uh, pretty solid defense there, and Jamie Newman against the Hokies had two interceptions in that game. And then let's look at Syracuse. Why, why don't we? I mean, Syracuse under Dino Babers. I mean, uh, you know, Syracuse, not the greatest team in the world, but even, you know, the Orange from time, even the Orange more times than not puts together a defense that even gives Clemson struggles and it gave Wake Forest with, 
Jamie Newman struggles as, you know, Newman completed just 16 for six of 13 passes for 71 yards and one pick prior to sustaining an injury. And then you look at some of the struggle wins that Wake Forest had with Newman. I mean, you played against first-year head coach in uh, uh, Mac Brown, of whom hadn't been in college football for a long time prior to going back to the game and coaching North Carolina. I mean, Wake Forest should have, wiped, should have wiped the floor of North Carolina. If Jamie Newman is way more talented than Mac Jones, Wake Forest should have wiped the floor of North Carolina. That didn't happen. They barely squeaked by the Tar Heels 24-18. And then you played Boston College. When was the last time Boston College was, re was relevant besides Doug Flutie and the Miracle Hail Mary against Miami? When was Boston College relevant? Boston College hasn't been relevant since Matt Ryan, who's now with the Atlanta Falcons. Matt Ryan, who played in 2007 for the Golden Eagles. You should have wiped the floor with Boston College. Wake Forest barely squeaked by the Eagles 27-24. Should have wiped the floor with them if Jamie Newman is way more talented than Mac Jones. I mean, how about Florida State, who's been an utter train wreck? Florida State was a train wreck in the last couple of years with Jimbo Fisher. It's been a train wreck ever since then. They can't seem to find a quarterback. They can't seem to find an offense. You blow the doors off of Florida State. But Wake Forest barely squeaks by Florida State 22 to 20. But Jamie Newman, way more talented than Mac Jones. And then Michigan State in the bowl game. Of course, they suffered a 27 to 21 loss. And Michigan State struggled a good bit this year. You know, Jamie Newman couldn't even beat Michigan State. So, I mean, you look at this. The guy's talented. The guy's good. But he's going up against defenses now where every single week in the SEC, somebody is going to be ready to take his head completely off. Each week in the SEC, you're going up against way better defenses in this conference, and especially with Georgia replacing two strong offensive linemen. It's got to replace DeAndre Swift. It's got, you know, it's got some solid running backs, but you're replacing DeAndre Swift. You know, you had you had wide receivers that were dropping passes left and right with Jake Fromm last year. Are they going to be good by Jamie Newman? Who knows? But in terms of Mac Jones, here's a brother that had two games where he posted a QBR of 90 or above, that was Arkansas 91.9, Michigan 95.3. I mean, Mac Jones had an average QBR in the three games he started in of 92.3, had an explosive passer rating of 197.5, and then, of course, the biggest argument is, well, Steven, Jamie Newman can run. Mac Jones can't run. Go back and watch the Iron Bowl. There were two runs in that game, and I was on the field. I'm locking souls with Mac Jones. I'm on the field here. Mac Jones had a run on third and seven in the first quarter where he trucks a guy over, gets, gets hit by another guy, still picks up the first down. And then with a minute and 15 to go in the fourth quarter, it was fourth and 10. Auburn up 48 to 45. Mac Jones pulls the ball down, getting it down the field, picks up the first down with his legs, might I remind you, allowing Joseph Belovis a chance to have a shot to tie the game at 48 with the field goal late in regulation. It's not Mac Jones' fault that Joe B missed the field goal. No, it's not Mac Jones' fault because Mac put Alabama in the best situation to make the field goal to try to force overtime here. So in uh, Jamie Newman's best matchups here, we're talking about schools like Elon, where he threw five touchdowns. Schools like Rice, where he threw three touchdowns. Schools like Utah State, where he threw three touchdowns. Mac Jones is putting it on the best defensive front in the SEC, probably one of the best defensive fronts in college football in Auburn. Mac Jones put it on Michigan in the bowl game. Mac Jones even put it on Arkansas that has a pulse of a defense. But Greg McElroy. Jamie Newman, way more talented than Mac. The fuse is lit, y'all. The fire's lit. Mac Jones is going to shake some folks up. Don't be surprised 
if this does not go back to 2015 where you had everybody talking about, you know, Leonard Fournette, nobody showing up to Derrick Henry, and Derrick Henry just snatched the Heisman from Leonard Fournette in one game. Don't be surprised if week three of this season between Alabama and Georgia follows that same motif. But we take our first break here on the show, but don't touch that down. Upon our return, we entertain your phone calls, your thoughts, your questions, your tweets, your chats, your concerns. Bring them in here right after this. Every sports fan deserves the proper representation. Whitwill Sports introduces to you the title towel. Wave that title towel in the air like you just don't care. In support of Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide. Only $9.99 and it lasts a lifetime. Head on over to WhitwillSports.com and get your title towel today. Touchdown Alabama Magazine is Alabama football's premier publication. A subscription to Touchdown Alabama Magazine is the perfect gift for any Alabama fan. For exclusive news and information, recruiting updates, a free annual print magazine, and more, go to touchdownalabama.com and click join. Only $5.95 per month or pay $49.95 for a full year subscription. That's a saving of almost $22. Go to touchdownalabama.com today and roll tide. We're back in, folks, on a Friday here on the hottest show on the streets. In my own words, yours truly, Stephen Smith of Touchdown Alabama Magazine. Got the man John Ivory in the building. Happy Juneteenth and Father's Day weekend to all the fathers out there. Most importantly, folks, we, we encourage you that if you like to give a donation, if you like to give a donation, as we are a black independent-owned business, you can go to the dollar sign on the bottom of the page via Super Chats and leave that donation. But as always, we encourage you more so to subscribe to TouchdownAlabama.com and also the YouTube channel, hitting the, hitting the subscription button and turning on all of those notifications. But it's your time, Crimson Tide fans, 205-448-1358 number to call in to let your voice be heard on the show 205-448-1358 and we start things off here with uh with Waylon Waylon happy Friday to you hopefully you're doing well CDA it's Friday hey it's Juneteenth day uh Father's Day weekend coming up always remember you uh you can't bring them back so all let's celebrate uh, Father's Day on Sunday and I'm telling you what this stuff Greg uh said here about Mac Jones, I am shocked, Stephen. What is going on with him? I'm a, I, I mean, I, I mean I, I'll say this way, and I'll say I understand when you work for ESPN or any major sports entity, you want to be unbiased, you do, but there's a difference between being unbiased and then going all out on the attack and trying too hard not to be unbiased. I mean, Marcus Spears – does a great job, but you still see Marcus Spears supporting LSU. The same for Booger McFarlane, the same for uh, Maria Taylor, who shows her support for Georgia. I'm not saying, you know, go all out homer, 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 but at the same time, you know, Greg, you did win a championship for Alabama. It, it wouldn't kill you to give a roll tide every now and again. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. He's sort of. I don't know, you know, he brags on the games when uh, uh, him and uh, uh, Marcus is there doing their little show during the week. But uh, to uh, to say that about Mac, you know, that's that, uh, you know, that's got to affect a person. No matter what they say, they hear that from a former quarterback at Alabama National Championship, SEC quarterback. Uh, that has to affect you. But uh, Maybe it won't. Maybe Mac will march on there, and uh, hopefully we'll get this football season in from what the NFL saying the stuff. I tell you, it doesn't doesn't look too good, Stephen, but maybe we'll be able to uh, get this season together. But um, we were talking Wednesday about our uh, people that were going in the Hall of Fame. We mentioned Antonio Langdon from 92. We're going to try to do a little Chris Samuels poem here today of um, the uh, 99 team. The only year remember people now. Hello to everybody in the chat, but remember in the chat, we only beat Florida twice. That was in 1999. We've never done that before. We've never done that since then. So that was I was scared. Year. Now, now Wayland, I was scared Bama was going to miss that extra point, though. Oh. <laughs> I was frightened, man. I, 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 I cannot lie. I was scared, man. I thought Bama was going to push the extra point wide right, and we're like, oh, jeez. <laughs> well, you know, we did miss the first one, but the flag was thrown. But we're going to, I know, it's Friday, and 
a lot of people in the queue. It was a, was one of them football games that kept you on the edge of your seat. Sometimes I like them, sometimes I don't. But we'll do this uh, poem here for Mr. Chris Samuels, and then we'll let some more people call in on the queue. And uh, we'll see y'all again on Monday, the Lord's willing. And happy Father's Day, and everybody be safe. And uh, we uh, the Super Chat's good. We'll try to start supporting uh, the station next week on the Super Chat. And uh, let's pr- keep our fingers crossed in prayers that we make it through here and have our season. All right, here we go. Roses are red. Remember, Alabama was number 21. Florida was number three in the country. Roses are red. The Crimson Tide makes teams blue. It was August the 2nd, 1999. It was Bama versus Florida. It would go down to overtime. Florida made the first score. The Gators' crowds roared. The extra point was missed. We could all see Spurrier was, well, you can figure out the rest. First time under center, Bama snapped the ball. It was Samuels and McClintock who set the wall. Sean ran 25 for the touchdown. We thought that was all. Kemp missed the extra point. Uh-oh, it was a doink. The Gators were all sides. The flags were thrown. Kemp got the second chance to make the kick. It was 40-39. The look on Spurrier's face. He was mighty sick. We'll see everybody Monday. Y'all have a safe weekend. Bye-bye, Stephen. Appreciate it, Waylon. Got the poem there going back to the 1999 season. We got our next caller in the queue, Chris, out from uh, Ballard Sports Media. Chris, what's going on, man? Hey, how you doing, Mr. Steven Smith? Man, I cannot complain, man. It's Friday. I'm trying to figure out what am I going to get my dad for Father's Day this year? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I wanted to call in and talk about, um, you know, Alabama's had some great recruiting classes in the past few years. And, you know, we keep hearing about, um, you know, the defenses. And we look at, like, the, um, well, I guess it would have been the, was it 2017 was the season when Tua was a freshman and, want it for us you yeah, know we talked about that recruiting yeah. Class. yeah we talked about that recruiting class and uh you know we had guys like henry ruggs Devonte smith too as i mentioned Najee. i mean I, all those guys that are you know some have gone on in the nfl and the guys that you see you know returning for their senior year uh and you look at 2020 or i guess we're looking at the 2021 class i mean it's looking really great uh, do you think we could get, you know, a better, like, um, I, I don't want to say a better class or whatever, because I'm pretty sure we had the number one class that year, if I'm not mistaken. Could we see better players than, you know, that whole group uh, in 2021 and going forward in this year's class that, that we're trying to recruit now? Because it looks like it's getting really good. I don't want to jinx it, Chris, but there is an opportunity just – First and foremost, the receivers Alabama has signed has, has had commit for 2021. You look at a Jai Hall, a Jaquari Brooks, right. and now Christian Leary. I mean, those guys are ridiculous. You got two tall right. guys. You've got Leary, who's got Jalen Waddle meets Henry Ruggs type speed. You have a big offensive lineman and uh, and JC Latham. There's potential to land either one of the Brockermeyer twins, if not both, hopefully both. So I don't want to jinx it, but there is a good possibility the way that Jeff Banks, Nick Saban, and the coaching staff has been on this trail, there's a shot. Yeah, I think so too. And, uh, you know, and of course you can never really say a player is great until you've seen them be great on the college level. Cause listen, we can sit there and say all we want to about the stats in high school or whatever, but you know, as you get to college in the NFL, it gets a little tougher and everything, and you got to put them on the field and let them play and actually, you know, have them release their full potential, I guess. But I think it's going to be interesting to see those guys play, you know, in the upcoming years as they develop and get better uh, with the team and everything. And I think 2021 uh, is looking good for Alabama. Looking good right now, man. Hopefully we can get these guys not just to commit, but sign and be a part of the Crimson Tide family. But, Chris, we appreciate the call as always, man. You be good. Thanks for taking my call, man. Roll Tide. Absolutely. We got another caller here in the queue on a Friday. You're live on In My Own Words. What's going on? Hey, what's going on, Steve? Man, I cannot complain here, man, doing good, trying to figure out what am I going to get my old man for Father's Day because I'm, 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 I'm wrecking my brain right now. 
Man, you and me both. <laughs> That's a good one there. But yeah, I got a, a question. When do Go you ahead. think? Um, all right. When do you think do the uh, season gonna jump off? Because they saying they gonna there might not be no football because of the coronavirus. Now, right now, of course, and we're, we're gonna mention this later on the show. The NCAA Division One Council recently approved it. Approved it on Wednesday, and that's a six-week preseason practice plan. And what the practice plan entails was. Alabama's continuing with the voluntary workouts now, but then it, it would move into, you know, more film study, more workouts, some walkthroughs before, you know, fall camp would come in on August the 7th. So right now, according to the NCAA, they're still holding out hope for a season. And if it were to start, assuming that they stick toward the model that they have, the uh, fall camp would start August 7th. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering that, man, because how they're talking, man, like it ain't going to start. I'm like, we need Alabama to start this season, <laughs> get on the right note. I mean, I mean, absolutely. At, at this point, man, everybody wants to see football. Everybody wants to see live sports back in action, man. But we appreciate the call, man. Keep listening to us. All right. Thank you, man. Absolutely no problem. We got another caller here as you guys are lighting us up on like a Friday. You're on In My Own Words. What's going on? Hey, this is Jonathan. All right, Jonathan, what's going on? Oh, my bad, man. I was actually watching you live on YouTube, you know, Roll Tide Roll. I just started watching you uh, a couple of months ago. I like your podcast. It's really good. Only got one question. Um, nobody's really talking about that kicking room, you know. I know we still good got thought more right there. there. Looks like you... mm -hmm. Say what? I said good thought right there, the kicking room. <laughs> Yeah, because, I mean, I, I remember last season um, when we got Riker, I know everybody was excited because that kid was kicking field goals left and right. He was kicking them from a good, pretty distance. Had that one little weird little injury bug. And the minute I saw that, I knew that was going to bite us back back in the butt. Because me, personally, I didn't like Bullivis since, since he got here. So, But hopefully everybody can stay healthy. Hopefully Will Riker... You know, he comes off really good after that, that, that injury. And, you know, hopefully, you know, when situations need it, like in that Auburn game, I mean, at the end of the day, when I saw Bullivis go on the field and everything, it was down in my head inside that game because I was like, out of, all the, out of all the times you need a field goal kicker, why now? <laughs> Well, hopefully, man, we get this kicking thing situated. I think Alabama and Nick Saban will get it down packed. But we appreciate the call, man. Keep listening to us. Yes, sir. And roll tight, roll. Absolutely. Well, folks, we're going to go to a break here on the show. We appreciate you guys lighting us up there in the call-in line. Also, continue to light us up in the YouTube chat line as well with your questions. But upon our return, we sit down with the man, the myth, the bona fide legend. You know him, Justin Smith, the lead scouting and recruiting analyst for TDA to talk Bama's 2021 class after this. want delicious homestyle cooking, sushi, and hibachi, check out Otoro Hibachi in the University Mall in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. At home and you can't get away from the TV because the Crimson Tide is about to score? Don't worry. Delivery is also available through Waiter and Crimson To Go. That's Otoro Hibachi in the University Mall in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And make sure you let them know the good folks at Touchdown Alabama sent you. Touchdown Alabama Magazine is Alabama football's premier publication. A subscription to Touchdown Alabama Magazine is the perfect gift for any Alabama fan. For exclusive news and information, recruiting updates, a free annual print magazine, and more, go to touchdownalabama.com and click join. Only $5.95 per month or pay $49.95 for a full year subscription. That's a saving of almost $22. Go to touchdownalabama.com today and roll tide. 
We moving, we moving, we moving, we moving from the break here on the hottest show on the streets in my own words with yours truly, your man, Stephen Smith of Touchdown Alabama Magazine. Appreciating every last one of you for tuning into the show. As always, be sure to hit that like button, give us a thumbs up, and also hit that subscription button, that subscribe button, and turning on those notifications so you can have all of the alerts. But we mosey on over to the In My Own Words hotline. We pick up the man, the myth, the legend on the ground in recruiting. TDA's own Justin Smith. Brother, I know you down there in Jacksonville, Florida. What's popping with you? What's going on? Not much, Steve. It's always great to catch up with you. Always great to have you on here, Justin. Justin Smith here live in uh, you know Jacksonville, Florida. As I mentioned, looking at one of the uh, Under Armour, the twenty, the uh, Under Armour, you know, underclassmen camp that's going on right now. And Justin, first and foremost, the biggest news that happened thus far in recruiting Alabama landing another wide receiver from the Florida area. This one being Christian Leary, the four-star from Orlando at 5'9", 180 pounds. He's got Jalen Waddle meets Henry Ruggs type speed. I know you got a chance to catch up with him today at the event. Just talk about you know, the impact that Leary brings to the program, that how big this commitment is, and Alabama continuing to just eviscerate taking receivers from the Florida area. Well, I think this is a huge commitment for several different reasons. As I said in the past, the wide receiver position is a priority for Alabama in the 2021 recruiting class. They want to load up on that position because they could possibly lose Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle at the end of this season. They could also uh, possibly, they knew they could possibly lose those guys to the transfer portal as well. We look at your Darius Townsend and also Tyrell Shaver. So Alabama's coaching staff always thinking two steps ahead. So they knew they had to make the wide receiver a wide receiver position a priority in the 2021 recruiting cycle. So getting getting Christian Leary's commitment and adding him to the duel of AJ Hall and also Ja'Cory Brooks is huge for Alabama. Now you have a speedy uh, wide receiver who told me today that he, he once ran a 4.39 in a 40-yard dash. So this is a kid who was really explosive with the football in his hands. And this is a kid who his coach told me, Cameron Duke, the head coach of Edgewater High School, he told me that they like to use him at so many different positions because of his versatility and also his high IQ. When you look at the inside wide receiver position, also lining him out at the outside wide receiver position, and even lining him up at Wildcat quarterback, and he said he knows everything on the offense at the running back position. So this is a kid who's very versatile, who is also very explosive, and he's really excited to be committed to the Tide. He told me that he thinks he's a great fit because of the way that they use their wide receivers, giving them football and letting them letting them take off and use their athleticism and put that on display. So this is a huge gift for Alabama. Folks, we're live here on the phone lines. If you're just tuning in with Justin Smith, the lead scouting and recruiting analyst for Touchdown Alabama Magazine, the boots on the ground as he is currently in Jacksonville, Florida on today. You can also check out his show, The Process, every Tuesday and Thursday on the YouTube channel as, as Justin breaks down all the recruits from A to Z. But, Justin, you're at this camp, the underclassmen camp for the Under Armour you know, organization. What is entails this camp like what can we expect what goes down at this type of camp I know you spoke to me about this briefly like you've got some things that resemble the NFL combine but just for our listeners what does this camp entail well um the camp actually starts tomorrow I caught it with Leary I'm um, just um just happened to catch up with them I'm um, just setting up an interview but um the actual camp starts tomorrow it's the elite under under um, underclassmen camp. This is the camp that they're having pretty much pretty much around the south. Um, heading throughout this um throughout the summer, and I'm actually going to the Jacksonville one on tomorrow. And this camp really resembles the NFL combine. When you look at guys getting measured in the 40 yard dash, getting measured in the vertical, just getting measured in different drills. There, there will be no one-on-one contact due to the coronavirus and due to concerns of spreading COVID-19. So there will be no one-on-one drills. It will just be measurements. And all of these measurements and videos will be sent out to 63 of the 65 Power 5 programs. So this is a huge count for underclassmen who wants to get, who wants to get on the radar of some college football coaches, some high-profile football coaches. So a lot of a lot of guys who have album are going to be in attendance. I think around seven guys in the 2022 and 2023 recruiting classes also going to be a lot of guys who are going to start to get on the radar of some of these other power five programs guys who recruitment may explode once they attend this camp to get their measurements and all of these different type of skill sets 
Now, who are a couple of these names, Justin, that could emerge, that could blow up, whether it's 2021, 2022, or 2023, when you talk about, as you mentioned, the guys that are trying to get more schools on them, more eyes on them, the underrated guys. Who would be a couple of those names? Well, I know one guy is in the 2023 recruiting class. Um, his name is Cedric Braxton. He's also he's, he's actually a teammate of Christian Leary. I haven't been in contact with him lately. He already has 12 Division One offers, so I think him attending this capture could really help his recruitment. But also some guys who have Alabama offers and are in the earlier part of their recruitment. When you look at other guys like Derek LeBlanc, one uh, who could possibly recruiting class out of Florida, him coming to this camp, some more teams get his measurements, his offer list is going to go um it's going to get any even longer. So this is the kid in the twenty twenty three recruiting class could possibly end up with forty to fifty division one offers. Now just going going back and just picking up here back with the twenty twenty one group who could be the next guy, in your opinion, Justin, to, to make a move, to, to make that commitment? I mean, we've seen it from, of course, now Christian Leary. I know when you were last here, we spoke on for a lot of these guys. It could be July for a couple of these guys. They may wait off until the you know national signing day. But could there be somebody that could sneak up and maybe make a commitment in the next couple of days prior to, prior to July? Who's next on the board here to potentially commit? Well, no one really has a commitment they said as far as Alabama's top targets, but like Christian Leary did, he committed out of the blue, surprised Alabama's coaching staff, and he really surprised the whole entire recruiting world. So you never know with these high school kids. So there's a lot of different guys who could possibly make that commitment. Next, I know I actually did a video on the process the last episode of the process where I broke down a couple of guys who Alabama is making moves for, and I broke down Dallas Turner, of course, the four-star defensive end out of Florida, and also um, Kendrick Blackshear, the four-star linebacker out of Texas. I'll put those guys in the conversation. And you have to put the Barker Myers players in the conversation as well. I know a lot of Alabama fans are excited about those guys, so we definitely have to put those guys in the mix. So I'll put, those, put, those, put that group of guys in the Look at the Brockamire twins, Kendrick Blackshear, the four-star linebacker out of Texas, and also Dallas Turner, the four-star defensive end out of Florida. He's Justin Smith, the lead scouting and recruiting analyst for TDA down there in Jacksonville, Florida right now for the Under Armour Underclassmen Camp, scouting out some guys for 2021 through the 2023 classes. Justin, as always, man, be safe down there. Be good. Enjoy yourself. Keep up the information that you've been doing. As always, man, appreciate you being part of the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Stephen. It's always great catching up with the man, the myth, the legend, Justin Smith, when you talk Alabama Crimson Tide recruiting. We go to another break here on the show, but don't touch that dial. Upon our return, we get into more of your phone calls, more of your tweets, your chats, your questions, your concerns. Talk Bama football with me, and it's coming up next after this. menswear in the University Mall in Tuscaloosa. Touchdown Alabama Magazine is Alabama football's premier publication. A subscription to Touchdown Alabama Magazine is the perfect gift for any Alabama fan. For exclusive news and information, recruiting updates, a free annual print magazine, and more, go to touchdownalabama.com and click join. Only $5.95 per month or pay $49.95 for a full year subscription. That's a saving of almost $22. Go to touchdownalabama.com today and roll tide. All right, Crimson Tide Nation, we are back in from the break on the best form of Alabama football news, notes, and information, the number one source. That being, in my own words, with yours truly, Stephen Smith of Touchdown Alabama Magazine. Got the man John Ivory in the building, as always, handling the ones and twos. And we appreciate you, the fans, for tuning in on today. It's always awesome getting a chance to catch up with Justin Smith in the previous segment as he continues to do his thing on the recruiting trail. But... It's your time again, Bama fans, 205-448-1358. Your opportunity to call in, let your voice be heard. Talk Alabama football with, with your boy right here, 205-448-1358. And then one more time, 205-448-1358. Want to hear 
from you guys. You can also uh, text with that number and leave a voicemail with that number as well. But in honor of Father's Day, as y'all getting your thoughts together, in honor of Father's Day, I thought this would be really cool to kind of touch on the national championship coaches for Alabama football and pick a couple of players, one or two players that would resemble a son for you know that coach you know that, that that player that spent the most time with that coach got a lot from that coach gleamed a lot from that coach probably worried that coach from time to time but that coach loved this particular player regardless so starting this off with Wallace Wade here who won national championships for Alabama in 1925 and 1926 also 1930 the son for Wallace Wade for me Give me Johnny Mac Brown at the halfback position, running back position. Alabama wearing that single wing back formation, you know, at that time. And, you know, Mac Brown was fantastic. I mean, a guy that could really, you know, burst to the outside, run up the middle, go in between the tackles, take direct snaps if you needed him to. He was an all-American guy, an all-SEC guy, became an actor as he, you know, got, got his role in movies, got his Hollywood on, but... You know, he and Wallace Wade had a connection. He and Wa- Wa- him, he and Coach Wade had that father-son relationship. So, f- for me, I would say for Wallace Wade, the son for him, I would go Johnny Mac Brown in that regard. Going to now Frank Thomas, who won national championships in 1934 and 1941. He had two sons to me, Paul Bear Bryant and Don Hudson. Paul Bryant, who, of course, was recognized as you know, a tight end. He was one of the ends on Frank Thomas' staff, on Frank Thomas' roster offensively. The other end was Don Hudson. And you know, both Bryant and Hudson had great respect for each other. You know, Bear Bryant talked about how Don Hudson was just one of those guys where when you saw him in high school on the football field, you couldn't take your eyes off of him. He caught like four or five touchdown passes in a high school game, so Alabama just had to have him. And then, of course, the Bear, you know, we saw him take the lessons from Coach Thomas, you know, take the coaching, take the the life things that he was able to gleam and, and learn, and he became a great coach, you know, in, in his own right at Kentucky, you know, in other places prior to coming to the University of Alabama in 1958 and winning, you know, six national championships, coaching over a 25-year span, you know, for the Crimson Tide. So that was Bear Bryant. And then Don Hudson, of course, one of the best ends to ever play at Alabama he had a great you know NFL career had a couple of Super Bowls to you know his name his credit so in terms of Frank Thomas his two sons the guys I got the most out of him the guys that really valued him uh, Paul Bear Bryant and Don Hudson when you move down to of course the Bear himself the Bear had a lot of great players. <laughs> I mean, you, you can go on and on from guys like Don McNeil and uh, Ozzie Newsom and Sylvester Croom and Stedman Sheely. And, uh, I mean, the list goes on. John Hanna. I mean, Coach Bear Bryant had a knot of tremendous guys. And he bonded. Tony Nathan, also throw him in there. He had a lot of great players around him. He had a lot of great players that he, you know, was a part of. John Mitchell and, of course, uh, Wilbur Jackson were the first two, you know, African-Americans to play in Alabama in the Bear Bryant regime. But the two guys that gleamed the most, took the most, understood the most from the Bear and the two guys that, you know, probably got on his, got on his nerves a lot. The two guys that maybe bothered him a lot, the two guys that made him angry at times, but he couldn't stop loving them because he treated them, you know, like his sons, like his biological sons would be, uh, and both of these quarterbacks, Joe Namath and Ken Stabler. I mean, he loved both of those two. Jo- Joe Namath, there was a time where he had to suspend Joe Willie. He had, he, had to, he had to suspend Broadway Joe, and he didn't want to. He didn't want to suspend Broadway Joe, but Joe went out drinking one night and wasn't supposed to be drinking, and... You know, the bear kept him in the basement, had to you know, show him tough love, fatherly love, hard-nosed love. And there were moments where I'm pretty sure Joe Namath looked at him and said, man, what are you doing? You ain't my pops. But, you know, Bear Bryant loved him. Bear Bryant cherished him. Bear Bryant wanted the best for, for Joe Namath. So 
that was one. And then, of course, you know, Ken Stabler, who was kind of that, that rugged, tough, gruff son that you kind of have to, you know, pull back every now and again. He would run off and be wild and do something crazy, do something that you would have to say, my God, Kenneth, what are you doing? And, you know, Paul Bear just had to reel him back in, had to reel the wild stallion, the wild Mustang back in. But, you know, Stabler learned a lot from Coach Bryant. Stabler gleamed a lot. Stabler, you know, understood, you know, what the Bear was trying to show him and, and teach him. Both guys ended up having strong careers, you know, in the NFL, both guys winning, you know, NFL championships, Super Bowl rings, and, uh, you know, going into the Hall of Fame. So, Bear Bryant had Joe Namath and Ken Stabler as his sons. Going down to Gene Stallings in 1992, this was a tough one for me because, though I would not mind going Dabo Sweeney as Stallings' son because Dabo grew, had the, the walk-on life as a receiver, Learned stuff from Gene, took a lot of stuff from Coach Stallings, understood a lot of the, the mannerisms that Stallings had. But before we continue this, we actually got a call in the queue. You're live here on In My Own Words as we do this tribute here to Father's Day in terms of Bama football. What's going on? Hey, Stephen and John, how y'all doing this evening? Man, we cannot complain here doing well. I'm actually wrecking my brain on what do I get my old man for Father's Day because he is – he is the MVP father here. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Just show him a lot of love and maybe a little gift card will lighten him up. I you know what? I'm writing that down. John, card. put that on the poll. Get my old man a gift card. Any particular gift card? Uh, a belt. <laughs> Get, a belt okay. Putting, putting, putting belts gift card on the poll. But we appreciate you, as always, calling in, you know, making our Friday go smooth. I appreciate you all keeping us updated on uh, Alabama uh, football, and you do an amazing job. Enjoy your Friday, and have an awesome weekend. Appreciate it so much. It's always great having the Perry County support there as my guys there in the old 53 PC showing us love there. But continuing the thought on, you know, Father's Day for Alabama coaches, you know, and the sons that I'm picking out here, I would like to go Dabo Sweeney. But for me, it's tough here for Gene Stallings because the entire 92 defense could have served as his son because, you know, in Stallings' mind, it's as long as Bama scores 10 points, the opposition ain't getting nothing anyway because his defense is going to shut him down. So the entire 1992 defense from Copeland and Curry to George T to Antonio Langham, I mean, all of those guys could have served as the son of Gene Stallings, and it would, and it would have been just fine. And then – of course, last but not least, when you look at Nick Saban, much like the Bear, great players Nick Saban has been a part of, has mentored, has molded, has, you know, pushed into being great. But the two sons for me, A.J. McCarron and Tua Tagovailoa. I mean, he A.J. grew up with Nick. You know, A.J. had young, fiery, you know, hardcore Nick with Nick where Nick would yell at him, chew him out, you know, really get on to A.J. But then he would have moments where he would tap A.J. on the butt and he would jump into A.J.'s arms like he grew with A.J. And of course, Tua, Tua changed Nick. You know, Nick started to become more emotional. Nick started to share more of himself. You start to see Nick embrace more of his feelings when Tua came on the scene. But we take another break here on the show there, here just paying a little homage there to Father's Day in terms of Bama football. Upon our return, we jump into an interesting topic. What would it take for Charlie Strong to maybe potentially run this defense for 2020? We dive into it after this. you're an avid Alabama Crimson Tide fan and you love to flaunt it, then show your Alabama Crimson Tide support by grabbing the Alabama sneakers. They feature bold Crimson Tide graphics, so no one will be able to question where your allegiance lies. When you add these sweet sneakers to your Alabama Crimson Tide collection, go to stsfootwear.com and use the code TDALABAMA for $15 off your purchase. That's code TDALABAMA for $15 off your purchase. Go to stsfootwear.com and get your Alabama sneakers today. 
Touchdown Alabama Magazine is Alabama football's premier publication. A subscription to Touchdown Alabama Magazine is the perfect gift for any Alabama fan. For exclusive news and information, recruiting updates, a free annual print magazine, and more, go to touchdownalabama.com and click join. Only $5.95 per month or pay $49.95 for a full year subscription. That's a saving of almost $22. Go to touchdownalabama.com today and roll tide. All right, Bama Nation, rocking and rolling here from the break on a Friday TGIF edition of the show. Happy Juneteenth and Father's Day weekend, everybody. Appreciate you guys for tuning into the network. Your truly Stephen Smith of Touchdown Alabama Magazine, the man John Ivory in the building as well. But we look at an intriguing topic, and once again, you know, fans, you guys make the show what it is. I mean, if, if you're not talking about Crimson Tide football, that is Alabama really worth talking about? So if you have a thought, concern, question, never be afraid to share that with me because you never know. It could potentially end up as a show topic. So on yesterday, I had a fan write me. He was talking about how, you know, Stephen, you know, I appreciate, you know, I like Pete Golding. You know, I trust Coach Golding. I think he's going to be able to have a bounce back year. I think he's going to be able to put this defense right where he needs to be at. But just – just, just a question here, Stephen. In, in the event that against either USC or Georgia, where there could be a slight struggle with Coach Pete, whether you know the defense is still having trouble communicating, or the effort is still not there, or the performance is still not there, or the communication is still not there, or you still have the confusion from time to time, and Alabama is still having issues. If things like this were to happen or occur, how what would be the possibility? Or how quickly could you see, you know, Coach Saban going to Charlie Strong and, and 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 making him the defensive coordinator, having him, you know, run the system and just pulling the plug on Pete Golden altogether? And, and, I, and I thought that was a very intriguing question because, you know, to me, I think Coach Golden get this done. I think Coach Pete Golden is going to have a bounce back year. I think he has learned from what happened a season ago. He's taken inventory from that with the players that Alabama's going to have back from injury and also the, the, the great mixture of veterans plus young guys. Alabama has a tremendous mixture of talent that is hungry, looking forward to getting back to the college football playoff and winning a national championship. But we are in a very... I don't want to use this word loosely, but we are in a very unique time in Crimson Tide football. And the reason why I say this is, is that I understand Coach Saban does not buy into all the national media hoopla. He can give two cents about what people like Paul Feinbaum, among others, have to say. He, he really doesn't care, right, about you know Saban's windows closed and his time's running out. I don't see, you know, a national championship being won for Alabama. It's too hard right now. Like, Saban can give two cents about that. But what he is looking at here is the opportunity to three-peat. The opportunity to be a three-peat national champion is weighing weighing very heavily on his mind because that's, that's the hardest thing to do in college football. It's elusive. It's evasive. It's very hard to three-peat nowadays. I mean... USC had a shot at it with Pete Carroll. You know, 2003 it won, 2004 it won. It could have won in 05, but Vince Young happened. And then Alabama with A.J. McCarron had a shot to do it. Won in 2011, won in 2012, but in 2013, you know, the kick six happened. So we have seen attempts to get the three-peat, but this time around, that window is open for Nick Saban. And the reason why it's open is this upcoming season right here, you look at the talent you have offensively at wide receiver on the offensive line, at running back, even at quarterback with Mac Jones, Bryce Young, Paul Tyson, and uh, defensively with the guys you have coming back and the continuity on your coaching staff. This is the perfect time to get the first one, right? Because because I believe Mac Jones has everything uh, ability and capability to get the first national championship, which would be the season. And then, you know, once you graduate Mac Jones on, you've got 
the possibility of getting two more with either uh, a Bryce Young or a Paul Tyson with the weapons of wide receiver that you have, especially if the 2021 guys sign the letter of intent to come to Alabama and there was more guys coming in you know, on defense as well. So the door is right there. The opportunity is right there. And for Nick Saban, if this is his last run, if this is his last wave of championships, he wants to sit there and say, you know, Dabo Sweeney's good, Kirby Smart is good, Jeremy Pruitt is good, all these other coaches are good, but I'm still the head honcho. I'm still the bad man smoking. I'm still number one on the hill. I'm still king of the block. Everybody still answers to me in college football. So if this is Coach Saban's last run at this thing, he wants to make sure that college football knows Nick Saban is still the baddest man working out here in terms of this sport. So he sees the opportunity here of a potential 3 P and this window. And it's because of that that if there is the slightest struggle from Pete Golding to where there's confusion, to where there's a lack of performance, a lack of effort, a lack of communication, a lack of this Bama factor is just not taking root here, then I can see even before the season starts, I can see this in fall camp. I mean, I can see Nick Saban nipping this in the bud in fall camp and going, you know what, Pete, we tried, it ain't working out, uh, we're going to pull the plug on this. And him going to Charlie Strong and saying, Charlie, this is your time now. You're running this defense. Here's the headset. I mean, I can see Coach Saban having a press conference in fall camp going, all right, don't ask me no more questions. Uh, it didn't work out this way. We're taking this way. We'll put a press release out there. Here it is. So if there was a slight struggle for Pete, I can see this being nipped in the bud in fall camp. Or if there happens to come a moment where you know, Coach Saban wants to see wants to see the dysfunction you know, happen on the field, I can see against USC to where if there was a mental blockage, if there was a breakdown, if Alabama's not playing like Alabama and let's say the Tide has a struggle win where it beats USC between three to five points, then Saban gets back on the bus or the plane or whatever transportation that's being used, and you know he'll get back on the method of transportation. He'll look at Pete Golden like, really? Really? Like, we thought we, were, we, we, thought we had this right this time, and we still don't have this right? All right, we're going to make a change right now. We're going to make a change right now. We're going to Charlie Strong. <laughs> like we're going to Charlie Strong. And I can see it happen, you know, that way. Because to me, despite the fact that he accepted the job as a defensive analyst, once you've been a defensive coordinator, once you have been a head coach in college football, once you've been at the top and coaching at the elite level, at the highest level. Like once you've won national championships at a big boy position, at a big man position, then, you know, taking a defensive analyst job seems, it, 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 it just seems like it's, 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 it's not in your league. It's beneath your league, so to speak. Now, of course, Charlie Strong took the job, but I'm pretty sure, you know, Saban and Strong had a conversation that at some point, she would have the opportunity to get the headset back, get back under the controls, call a defense, run a defense, orchestrate a defense, because he's still one of the best strategists. He's still one of the best schemers. He's still one of the best leaders. He's still one of the best coaches out there in college football. When you speak to peers of Charlie Strong, players that have worked with him, you know, guys that have been around him, they still revere him as one of the best to do it. So if there was a moment where you saw a struggle, you saw a concern, you saw something bad in terms of, of Pete Golding and the guys not getting the Bama factor, they're still not getting it through there. But I could see a moment, you know, early on in the season against USC where Alabama coach say would make that move to Charlie Strong. I, I, I mean, it would be difficult to make that move against Georgia, just seeing how that would be the third game of the season. That's a pressure game. It's a lot of high stakes, a lot of familiarity in this game. This game could set up a potential you know, sequel, or it could be a prelude to the SEC championship. So I'm pretty sure Nick Saban would not want to wait to the Georgia game to make a move there if a move needed to be made. I'm pretty sure he would handle that early in fall camp and get that thing shut down right then. But just to me, when I look at Coach Golding, 
I think he has learned from what happened last year. I think he has learned from, okay, you know, I took my moms, I took my bumps, you know, I've, I've helped two freshmen at linebacker and learned the position. They're going to be a lot better in this upcoming season. I, I have Dylan Moses back. I have Joshua McMillan back. I have Christian Barmore. I have DJ Dale. I have LeBron Ray. I've got guys in the secondary. You know, Coach Saban trusts me enough to allow me to have that year of a learning curve, that year to kind of have things go wrong, but still find a way to somehow put things back together. I had that mulligan year, so this 2020 season, I'm ready to set the world on fire and show people I can run defense. So I've got all confidence there in Coach Golding. But as always, folks, you want the best in news, notes, information, coverage, and content on the Crimson Tide. You can do this by downloading the Touchdown Alabama Magazine app. Very simple to do here. You can access this by going to the iPhone App Store. If you're rocking Team Apple, Google Play Store. If you have the Android phone for your audio listening needs, we got you covered on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker, Google Play, Overcast.fm, TuneIn Radio, or iHeartRadio. If the good and gracious Lord sees fit. I will return on Monday, continuing the conversation that is Crimson Tide football. But as always, husbands love your wives. Wives appreciate value. Those husbands, children continue to do those things legitimately now to not be bored. Get those three hearty meals a day, those three great laughs a day. Protect yourself. Protect the loved ones around you. Do good to dad this weekend. Enjoy Father's Day. And until next time, folks, I'm your man, Stephen M. Smith. This is Ben in my own words.